is clear and encourages us with these words. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect and you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. And the obvious thing is it's not me that he's talking about here. It's the the holy God. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. For when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We thank you, Father, for the relationship that we are able to have, the bridge that was built across the great chasm of the sin of our hearts back to you through the shed blood and sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ and I pray that as we open up your word of truth today that you administer to our hearts that you'll look into those deep places that you'll bring salvation to some, some that you will open their eyes today and open their hearts to the truth that there can be salvation in Jesus Christ and that they will give their hearts to you today But help us as we try to make sense of the things in our world today. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that we are even able to pray this, and we're thankful. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I heard this quote today. Uh, I'm sorry, not today. I'm I'm sharing with with you today um, that I heard this week, and it goes like this. Just outside your comfort zone is where the magic happens. I really like that. I'm going to keep that handy. And uh, I'm looking for the magic <laughs> because I, um, I'm way outside my comfort zone right now. And you just need to understand that um, I really do not know how to lead a congregation of born-again Believers, a congregation, a local congregation of God's family, of the body of Christ, through all that we're experiencing today and all that we're going to experience in the near and far future. 
As I look around and see all that's becoming of the world around me, which is my world, I am more and more confused all the time about how to do how to do life in, in some ways, but how to do church. And whew. I want to give credit to John MacArthur because a lot of my opening statements today, um, he helped me as I listened to a message that he preached to his people in, back in June. The title is, Who's to Blame for the Riots? I would encourage you to go see it if they haven't taken it down off the platforms. Um, but you can go on the church website and you can actually listen to it. I encourage you to listen to the whole hour and 15 minute sermon. You think you got it bad with me. <laughs> I don't think I've hit an hour 15 yet. But he helped me put my thoughts together because we are truly living in a time where the level of confusion and fear are just like off the charts. It's at levels that I've never seen in my lifetime. And it's not just out in the world, it's actually coming into the church. And it's affecting all of us. To take matters, to make matters worse, um, I'm a little afraid um, of, of this message today. So I'm gonna, because I'm gonna say some things that I just hope you'll know my heart that in true humility, I'm, I'm coming to this subject. <clears throat> but I'm starting to think that everybody is lying to me. Anybody else feeling like that? Like I don't know who to believe. I've never been that way in my lifetime. I, I, <laughs> anybody remember the day when you could turn on the TV and watch the news and you actually got news and it was factual? Those days are gone. Um, I, I actually am getting cynical because I'm like, I think everybody's lying to me about everything. And I don't know what to believe about anything. And when you pile lies and half-truth on top of an already confused and fearful people, what you're going to find is an insecurity that in, mo in some cases can become fatal. And you're going to see devastating chaos break out on the face of the planet. The scriptures are clear in Galatians 6, 8 that Whoever sows to please their flesh, from that flesh will reap destruction. We are seeing it lived out. We're seeing it in live, full color today in our world, this passage right here. Proverbs 28.2 says, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. And I would just like to say to you, and I'm speaking of my, myself, but because I have been lied to so many times by so many people, I don't know who to believe when I'm listening to the people that are supposed to be telling me the truth about how to live my life. And it makes me question, can I actually believe the governing authorities over me? 
when I have this set of governing authorities saying one thing and I have this set of governing authorities saying another and they're totally polar opposite, can we not get together and figure out the truth and tell me the truth about my situation? I certainly can't believe our politicians. I won't believe our politicians. I mean, they can get up in front of our nation and we know factual information and they will blatantly lie to us and tell us that what we actually know is a lie. When we know the truth and it makes you go, wait a minute, I know the truth about this. And they're lying to me, but they're putting it off as though it's truth. It's, it's, get me to, it's got me to the point. I, I don't know who to believe of our health experts. I don't know what to do. You have really good people telling us one thing over here as health experts and then people, really good people over, over here telling us a totally different opposite thing. And who do we believe? Because both of them are saying that their opinion is fact. And to make matters worse, you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to learn, and you're listening to these people, and you're going, okay, I hear you, and you're listening to these people, and you go, okay, I hear you, and then all of a sudden, their thing is taken down off the internet so you can't see it anymore. And you're like, what am I supposed to believe? How do I navigate my way through this and lead my family through this, let alone lead a congregation of people through this? I won't believe the social and racial activists and what they're trying to tell me. It's getting, it's getting so crazy that I'm starting to feel like I'm starting to lose it. And I don't like that. Are you at all resonating with me? Are you tracking with me? Are you as confused as I am? Okay. All right. Don't clap for confusion. Save the clapping for later on, all right? Save the clapping because here's what I want to say to you as we, as we begin to talk about a new series that we're coming into in the book of James. In the midst of all of this chaotic confusion, and as we stare deep into this massive black hole of uncertainty, we, those of us who truly know the Savior, who truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him, can stand with our feet planted on the solid foundation of truth that will never falter and will never shift. It's a foundation that cannot be moved or shaken. We can and will always look to the one God because there is only one true God who is the God of truth. And we can always look to him when we're confused and don't know what to do in the world. We can always turn to him because we are the blood 
bought, redeemed people of Jesus Christ, and we possess the truth of God in our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit, and we can stand on the truth of God and his word, no matter how shifting the sand is below our feet. God is the God of truth, and Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true even if every man is a liar. Man, that helped my heart this week as I read that. Jesus said of his father, Father, your word is truth, John 17, 17. And then he said of himself, I am the way you complete it, the truth and the And no one can come to the Father. No one can come to the truth. No one can have this strong foundation except through me. You've got to come through me. And that is the truth that we stand on. There is no truth outside of Jesus Christ. All that is true and all that that is right begins and ends with him. His word that is contained in the pages of our Bibles is the only truth that could be trusted in this, on this sin-cursed planet, and anyone who claims to possess a different truth that contradicts God and his word is a liar, is a deceiver, is a false prophet, and is speaking the native tongue of their father, the devil, who is a liar and a murderer. Jesus said of him in John 8, that he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him, and when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and the father of lies And Jesus tells us that he has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and divide. And he's doing a really good job of it right now. And it really ticks me off. Because that's not the way that things are supposed to be in this world right now. Especially, can I say this out loud? Especially in the United States of America, whose foundation has been built on the principles of God and his word. And we're falling apart. And it's breaking my heart. But you take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter one. And I'm gonna show you something that relates to all of this because it's so important that we understand. Because when we understand based on the truth of God's word what is actually happening in our world, it helps us with an understanding. It helps us know how to live in the middle of it all as believers who hold on to the truth. Isaiah is, um, if you don't know your Bible, you're not familiar with it, go to the middle and you'll hit Psalms, which is like the longest book in the Bible, and then, and then turn to the right a couple of chapters or a couple of books and you'll get to Isaiah. And let me give you some background. Isaiah um, was written by the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus' time on earth, God sent Isaiah, the prophet, to Israel to confront the nation which was made up of God's chosen people. God chose the people, the nation of Israel, to to call them out from the world and to be his own, and he's to love them and care for them. But they had turned their backs on God, and they turned to worshiping the false gods of other nations, which are idols, just all they are is just false idols. They're not live at all. And this was a great sin against their father, God, that they committed And it's called spiritual adultery. And they found themselves with the the coming of the prophet Isaiah 
to declare that they're getting ready to experience God's judgment because they have turned their backs on God. And so go with me to Isaiah 1, verse 2, and let me read through what was happening here and what God had to say about it. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognizes its master's care. There's a lot of sarcasm, I think, in that. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are. Loaded down with the burden of guilt. They are evil people. Corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Can you hear the the anguish in his voice? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You're battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts, and infected wounds, without any soothing ointments or bandages. Your country lies in ruins and your cities are burning. Does this at all sound familiar, people? I mean, can we, can we just almost write this for today? Like the prophet Isaiah comes and writes this today for the people of our nation and the world that we're living in today? This is God's description of a people who have, look at it in verse four, are sinful and who reject the Lord and despise the Holy One and turn their backs on him. Look at chapter five. Go over to chapter five real quick. And verse 20. Woe to those, it says, that means a curse upon those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Woe to you. A a curse upon those kinds of people. Now Now listen to me. It's one thing to say that good is evil and light is dark and sweet is bitter, but when you flip it and you actually say that evil is good, and dark is light, and bitter is sweet. These are the sins that signal the judgment coming from God when people turn truth, righteousness, and moral virtue upside down and on its head. The nation of Israel had turned against God and traded the truth for a lie, and they flipped morality upside down. That's what this is describing here. Now, he expands what this looks like in his people If you go to chapter 59, so jump over to chapter 59. I'll have it on the screen here. But in chapter 59 of Isaiah, he describes what this looks like. Verse three and four. Your hands are the hands of murderers and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies. Your mouth spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. Their feet run to do evil. They rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. 
They don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. So there is no justice among us. And we know nothing about right living. My friends, what what this is describing is us. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is the nature of humanity. The current circumstances that we find ourselves living in and that we're observing, the outrageous claims, actions, and attitudes that we see acted out before our very eyes are just the manifestations of the truth found in God's word of what will happen when people turn from their God. It's like we've completely lost our minds. How many times have you heard that or how many times have you said that of late? Can we not even make a common sense judgment here? Have we completely lost our minds? I wanna quote John MacArthur if it's okay with you. You all right with that? Um, Now, I just want to tell you, I have high respect for John MacArthur. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I have huge respect for him as a man of God and a theologian. And he writes this about this thing about have we lost our minds. He writes, it's essential to keep harmless people working, harmless working people locked down at home, kept away from their jobs and businesses so that they don't get sick. But it's also essential, in fact, more essential, to let people bent on doing harm run free in the cities, destroying the very places people go to earn their living. Lock up the weak and the fearful. Let the strong and violent run loose to create havoc. Grind the world to a halt to stop a virus and then remove all restraint when a far more deadly virus sets out to destroy a whole nation. Demand justice when a man's life is taken and then applaud lawless mobs of criminals attacking the police. Put the police in a position where they can't act to protect property, but rebel mobs are allowed to destroy it. You can't shop in a store, but you can loot it. You can't work, but you're free to steal. You can't attend church, but you can burn it down. You can't eat in a restaurant, but you can demolish it. Now we're seeing charges being brought in these riots, not against the rioters, but against the police. We see leaders who totally control the weak with fear of the flu, but can't control the strong because they're afraid. And by the way, if you worship the God of anger, the God of hate, the God of revenge, you can have church anywhere, anytime, indoors or outdoors, without any rules. You're completely free to worship the God of mayhem, and the perverted solution to this is to abolish the police, those who are the protectors of the good and the punishers of those who do evil. Have we lost our minds? It seems so. What is wrong with us? How did we as a society get to this place so quickly? Go to Romans chapter 3 and I'm going to show you. Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 is the description of the human condition without God, okay? And what I want you to understand, and we all agree, right, 
that before Christ, before we came into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are all being described in Isaiah 59. And what we're about to describe here. Romans 3, verse 10, as it is written. Now, I want to stop there because what Paul is getting ready to say is that what we are seeing isn't anything new. What I'm about to tell you isn't anything new. What was true about men thousands of years ago is still true today, Paul says, and it's applicable to us today, 2,000 years later than the writing of this, okay? You following? As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. That's what we're dealing with. This is what we are as human beings without Christ, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we are in a desperate position and desperately need salvation that we have been singing about all morning long. Verse 12 of Romans 3. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all are like little sheep who have gone astray. We've stopped following the shepherd. We've stopped following our master. And we have all turned to go our own way. We rejected our father. We rejected the truth to go follow our own path. Romans 3 13, their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. This is our reality. This is what we are and who we are and how we act outside of Jesus Christ, outside the restraints of God and his word in our lives to hold us back from being what our natures are. If you allow people to kill, they will kill. That's who we are. If you allow people to riot, they will riot. If you allow people to loot, they will loot. If you allow people to attack the police, they'll attack the police. If you allow people to brutally beat innocent bystanders, they will. If you allow somebody to walk by a 90-year-old woman with a walker and bash her in the side of the head and knock her to the ground, they will. If you allow people to burn down buildings, they will. Because this is what we do when left to ourselves. This is what happens in the absence of the restraints of God's truth that is supposed to govern our will and our lives and our desires. Why am I so shocked when I see what is in the world today? The word is clear what we all are outside of Jesus Christ. Pull off all the restraints and what you get is who we are. These are the natural expressions of the unredeemed, sinful human heart, and the reason is in verse 18 of Romans 3. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
Let that sink in for a minute. Proverbs 16, 6 says, by fearing the Lord, people will avoid evil. The greatest restraint to tame the wickedness in all of humanity is the fear and respect of God. And when we reject God and turn our back from him, then Romans 1 tells us that he gives us up and he takes off the restraints and turns us over to ourselves. Romans 1.24, look at it on the screen, says God gave them over. Because they rejected him, God gave them over in the, in the sinful desires of their hearts and the result was sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth for a lie about sexual morality and they turned it into sexual immorality. And that becomes the acceptable norm when God turns you over to your sinful desires. Verse 26 of Romans chapter one says, God gave them over again to what's called shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations with unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another, men committing shameful acts with other men. I'm not making this up. I'm not, I didn't write this. This is God's truth about what happens when people reject him and God turns them over to what's called their shameful lust and their sinful desires. Sexual immorality breaks in and homosexuality breaks out. This is what we do when left to ourselves. And then Romans 1, 28. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. You see it? He pulls the restraints off and says, okay, you want to reject me? You don't want to follow me? You don't want to follow my path, my way of truth? And I'll turn you over to your own depraved mind and you will become filled, verse 29, with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also a Prove of those who practice them. Is that blowing your mind like it is blowing mine about what we are seeing as people have rejected God, turned from his ways? They don't want to have anything to do with his restraints and God turns them over to their own sinful desires their shameful ways, and their depraved mind. We have a problem. It's true. Somebody said I should not say this, but I'm, I, ha I have to say this. Say it. I have to say it. We have a systemic problem. We do. 
But it's not social and racial. It's not related to a lack of opportunity, a lack of money, and a lack of privilege or education. It's a universal, personal, systemic sin problem that every person who has been born with has has had it when they were born, and no one can escape it outside of a personal relationship of salvation in Jesus Christ, in a renewing of our minds where the old is gone and the new has become. All things are brand new. That's what it takes to solve the problem. So what do we do about it? What's the cure? What does God want his church to do to right all the wrong in the world? I, I, I mused on that a lot, and I came up with the answer. Actually, I was told what the answer was in an article that I read this week. You ready? Get out and vote! No, seriously, all the pastors are being told, if you just get your people to get out and vote and we vote the right way, then we'll fix all the wrong in the world. We'll fix the United States of America. We'll f- and then that will go out into the rest of the world. All we have to do is vote for Biden and Harris because they're going to build back better. And he's got Harris with him. Right? No, no, didn't you listen to their, didn't you listen to their opening, whatever the thing was, <laughs> their campaign thing, their opening of their campaign, didn't you hear, hear their speeches? They've got it figured out. If we vote them into office, we will have it all figured out. As long as we get the right president who knows what he's doing in office, he'll fix everything that's wrong in the world. If we could just hang on to the Senate or hang on to the House, right? Are you with me? No, seriously. That's what we're, that's what we're being told. I'm being told that I'm supposed to get you all registered and get you out to vote. As long as the evangelical base gets out and votes, we will be able to fix everything in the world that is wrong. Vote Trump and Pence in, and everything will be fine. (laughs) How's it going for us right now? We got Trump and Pence in power right now, and the world is worse, our world is worse than I've ever seen it. And it's not because it's their fault, I'm not saying it's their fault, it's just The guarantee is not just get the right people into office and everything's gonna be fine in the world. That's not the fix. You wanna make America great again? Do you? It's a question. Do you? Do you wanna make the world great? So do I. There's only one way to do it, and that is for people, and especially the church of God, to honor and respect the God of truth. That's the only way. 
And this will only happen when God's people, the keepers and possessors of the truth, stand up, speak up, and live out loud for God and his word as though we are people who do possess the truth and who have supernatural power, the most powerful people on the planet. As long as we don't live out loud our faith, then we'll never have the impact that we're supposed to be having. That's why we're here, right? Why didn't God just save us and say, welcome home, child, come on up to heaven, and every time somebody gets saved, they get baptized and right to heaven. It's because he wants us to stay here and shine our light. Live out loud our faith so that we can impact people to come to the faith and that's what will fix all that's wrong in the world. Why am I yelling right now? I'm not really sure. I'll just tell you this, that when God's people honor him, not just by being hearers of his truth, but being doers of it, when we stand up and we shine our light of truth like huge floodlights with laser precision into the darkness, we will expose it for what it truly is and what it's truly doing to humanity. If we want to make America great again, if we want to make the world the place that it should be, then we've got to make the church great again, and that is why we are starting a new series in the book of James that we were going to call Make the Church Great Again. Now, just relax. Because we even made t-shirts, or had some t-shirts mocked up so that everybody could be wearing these during the next three months. Make the Church Great Again. We have some hats. Make the church great again. I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> and the elders got together and decided that's a little too provocative. <laughs> so I actually have some leftovers here that we're not going to use because we changed it. Anybody want to? You want one? There you go. Dan, you want one. Dan, you'll wear it. I, ooh, ooh, sorry. Who else? Who else? Okay. There you go. Right out there. I'm goofing around with that, but I actually, that's what it's going to take. We, we, we renamed it, because we really thought that would be too provocative if we went out there. I actually, I, I had a, I, I put this out there to a business friend of mine, a businessman friend of mine, doesn't come to this church. I told him about it. He goes, I'm making a billboard. I'm paying for it, and I've got five other businessmen that will make billboards all over town, and we're going to make this thing happen. It's going national, Phil. It's going national. And I was just like, okay, calm down, calm down, because we're changing our minds. We, we actually are naming it this. It starts here, and here's the graphic for it. This is a better, a better path for us to take because we're going to spend the next three months under the teaching of James, the younger brother of our Lord Jesus, to learn the fundamentals of the faith because what it's going to take, it's going to take the church of Jesus Christ to understand and get back to the basics and start living out loud our faith. 
James is the one who after his salvation rose to be one of the prominent elders in the early church in Jerusalem and he helped the local pastors and all the new believers through a very horrible time of ungodliness and persecution, a lot like what we're beginning to see now. It was a very similar time to ours. And his message is simply this. Your faith is no good if you don't live it out loud. In fact, we're going to see as we study it, your faith is dead if you're not living it out loud. It's worthless. He's gonna be asking one question as we work through this. If you say you understand the truth, then why are you acting like you don't? That's a little ouchy. He may have been thinking as he wrote this, if you really believe the truth like you say you do, then prove it. The challenge is going to be, um, will you come back each week as we open the book of James next Sunday and learn how to be doers of the word so that we can be instruments in the hands of Almighty God, the God of truth, to bring about the change that we all desire in the world. That's the challenge. And I want to actually put it out there to you, and I want to put it out there to you online to not miss a week of this series as we together learn what it is to be the possessors of truth and to be the light of Jesus Christ in our world. Remember, just outside your comfort zone is where the magic is. Stand with me and let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and that your word is truth that we can trust. In the world of uncertainty, in the world of confusion that we live in, in the world where every time we put our feet down, we can't find anything solid to plant our feet on so that we can move forward, we just have to make sure we're stepping on your word. And because we are children of yours, we can stand firm on the foundation of truth. So I pray that as we launch as a church body, as we launch the next three months of going deep and working on the basics, working on the things Not the doctrinal things, the practical living out of the doctrine and truth things in our lives, and we align ourselves with you. Um, I pray that you, in the next several weeks, will just look in with with your own spotlight, searchlight of your Holy Spirit into the deep, hidden places of our hearts so that we can be the people you have called us out to be. Help, help, don't, Lord, help us from rejecting you and turning from your truth and following our own path. Do a great work. And while we're in this state right now with our heads bowed and reflecting on the thing of the Lord, I just want to say to anybody here and anybody online, if you have found yourself irritated through this message about whether or not you are a believer, whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If there's 
there's conflict in your heart and mind about that. I would encourage you today, our prayer team will be down front here, I'll be down front here to receive you and to talk to you because we want you to walk out of here knowing that you are a child of God, a possessor of the truth. Those of you online, there'll be a way for you to connect with us and let us know that you would like to give your heart to Jesus. and We would love to help you with that. But here's what I know about the majority of the people in this building. Um, we have simply humbled ourselves, confessed our sin before our righteous, holy God, and received the gift of salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we can be saved, and you can do the same. And we would love to help you with that. So Lord, give boldness to those who need to make decisions. Guide us as we go out from this place and use us powerfully for your kingdom and the advancement of your gospel in our world. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you as always. If you need any prayer needs, we're down here to help you with that. God bless you as you go and shine your light out into our world. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.